All right, this is Dr. Steve Hodges um, for the Dr. Steve Hodges podcast. This will be episode seven. And I keep promising to increase the production value of these things. Um, I need to learn how to add introductions and music and all that and make it nice, but I just have not had the time. Um, if anyone wants to teach me how, please contact me. I'm sure I could look on YouTube. Um, but anyway, neither here nor there. This this podcast is not going to be an interview. This is going to be a discussion of something that I see a lot on the private Facebook page. Um, and it bothers me a lot, and I'm sure it bothers parents. So we'll get to the bottom of it. When a child has incontinence, when a child has a pee or poop accidents, and that includes pooping on themselves while awake, peeing on themselves while awake, or even bedwetting. You know, we you know we all believe that bedwetting is is pathology no matter what age or setting. Then it is a medical condition and it can be treated. Okay, I know there's a lot of you know borderline um, or not even borderline questionable uh, recommendations and advice out there online with strange therapies. Um, but I've I've been doing this a long time. I think I can think through most of the or all of the possibilities. And in my mind, the algorithm is pretty quick. And I think if parents think of it through that algorithm, then they can get their child to where they need to be as fast as possible with the least amount of frustration. So starting off with, if your child is having pee or poop accidents, the first question you have to ask is, is there a neurologic um, problem, right? So if you, if you have a child with a, a unhealthy brain or unhealthy spinal cord or abnormal brain or abnormal spinal cord, then that is the cause of the of the accidents, and that needs to be addressed first or managed. Sometimes you can't um, address it. This includes, you know, brain injury, cerebral palsy, spinal cord injury, spina bifida, tethered cord. Now, this is most of the time this is obvious. Uh, sometimes it's not obvious. Um, this is something that your doctor should see. It does get missed rarely. Um, if your child has an abnormal looking back, um, if there's a dimple, a tuft of hair, um, their gluteal cleft, meaning their lay, lay people call it the butt crack. If that line goes does not go straight up to the middle, then that's a problem and things need to be evaluated. Uh, in infants, this can be evaluated with a, a spinal ultrasound and a, in older kids, you need to do an MRI. Um, I would say the vast majority of the MRIs I get in kids um, or I see uh, performing children are done because kids are just still having accidents even though People have tried every kind of therapy, but their exam is normal, and so the odds of the, of the MRI being abnormal are very low, but people still get them to rule it out, and they're almost always normal. Um, but if any of those uh, physical exam findings, again, that would include abnormal back exam, uh, lower extremity, leg numbness, weakness, uh, not able to use their feet normally, um, uh, that, that needs to be looked into. Uh, second, um, there could be anatomic causes. There, there, really, that comes down to in girls, there's a continuous leakage of urine nonstop. Um, it's just a drip, drip, drip all day. That, that's a condition that needs to be evaluated, and your doctor can look at that. And or you have either an ectopic ureter, where one of the tubes draining the kidney comes outside the bladder or drains outside the bladder, so there's no way to control the urine flow. Um, we've talked about vaginal voiding in little girls. If there's a leak. Um, where urine comes out and they don't feel like they're voiding. Usually this urine comes from the vagina. The children void with their legs together. Um, the labia block the urine flow out. It directs it into the vagina and then it leaks out throughout the day. 
Again, that's usually leaking while upright, not so much while laying down. And there's a condition in boys called posterior urethral valves where there's a blockage in the urethra or the tube that you pee out of the bladder that is almost always picked up um, antenatally, meaning before delivery these days because the ultrasounds are so good. But in rare cases, I've had one in my career, and it uh, still bothers me to this day, that this presented late. And an uh, otherwise healthy kid that just gets worse and worse um, incontinence, these kids always eventually develop abnormal kidney ultrasounds um, and often have urinary tract infections, which in boys are abnormal. So it's not important that you know what all those things are. It's just important that you know that once those are ruled out, the only cause of um, incontinence in kids is uh, the development of overactive bladder due to volitional withholding. This doesn't happen in any other animal, only people, because we're the only ones too smart for our own good that can put off peeing and put off pooping and are put in this kind of environment where that's limited, especially in kids. And so if you have that, what's the traditional therapy? Again, we've talked about this before. If you go see a regular cookie-cutter doctor, they'll say, okay, here's some Miralax daily. Make sure you poop, soft poop every day. Here is some uh, Ditropan or bladder-relaxing medicine. See if that helps. And um, maybe here's some physical therapy to teach um, you to relax your uh, pelvic floor uh, when you empty your bladder or bowels. And if that worked, um, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But it has a very low success rate. Um, I'm not saying my my success rate is perfect. Um, what I'm saying is what I just listed are basically all the options that are out there. At the most, someone may offer a um, nerve stimulation, or which is a, a either a needle or patch um, stimulation of the nerves or, impla- or implantation of a pacemaker, uh, which requires a surgery. And I don't like to do just because it's an artificial device and it's not really approved in kids. Um So it's hard to get covered um, in payment. I don't mind doing non-approved things if they work and they're covered, but it just becomes very expensive if it's not approved and insurance won't cover it. Um, Or some people may offer Botox, which we'll talk about. But other than that, um, you get a lot of this, um, wait till they outgrow it, wait till they mature, keep peeing on a schedule every two hours, keep taking the Miralax, keep taking the Ditropan, and the kids don't get better. So if you have exhausted all that, and then you ended up with us. I mean, there's a whole other series of kind of uh, quacky, uh, quirky and wacky, um, I guess the term I was looking for is quackery, um, therapies out there, uh, you know, acupuncture, chiropractors, um, essential oils, made-up diagnoses that are explaining it, like sensory processing um, issues. Um, but just, just keep in mind that if your bladder and your spinal cord and your brain are intact and healthy, the pathways that maintain continence are very well preserved. They, they rarely ever go bad. Um, and if they're not working, there's usually a problem. That brings up, a, you know, I just thought of a kid I just saw recently. There's one condition called giggle incontinence, which I don't know if we've covered, where if you're otherwise healthy, your bladder's normal, you do everything normally. But when you laugh, you wet yourself with your with significant wetting. That's a, a centrally mediated uh, condition, meaning happens in the brain, and that's treated with um, with Ritalin. Um, so that's a, a caveat. But uh, but all the others um, where you have a kid that can't make it to the bathroom on time, um, wets the bed or poops on themselves, is delayed defecation, um, like we've talked about. Um, um, that leads to rectal dilation and then bladder overactivity. 
and there may be some uh, pelvic floor issues that are come come into play there um you know which came first uh we could debate that forever but the the point is if you don't fix the rectum then things aren't going to get better so the problem that i want to address today is those kids that those patients that have or parents that have been on the website or the follow the program and say i've been doing enemas for 60 days 90 days 100 days a year and we're not better and this is this is not it's not like you just give the the child an enema and they get better. That the enema is not um, the cure. The enema is helping the body recover to normal function and then get better itself. And we have to have um, reasonable expectations too. Things don't get better overnight. These were um, these were complicated problems uh, that set up over years. And as Dr. O'Regan said in his interview, you know what 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 are your other options? You know, I mean, I'm not expecting people to do. Animus forever with no progress, but if you want to follow our program to its logical conclusion and do it correctly, uh, it can take some time. And if you don't want to do it, what are your other options? You you, you really don't have many, uh, unfortunately, um, because as we talked about, uh, if the simple things that other people do worked, uh, you wouldn't be uh, probably listening to this podcast. So the the goal here is to keep things in perspective. Number one, if you have Night wedding, meaning wedding while asleep, wedding while awake, and poop accents, they will not all get better at the same time. Poop accents will get better first. Um, and if poop accents are not getting better in the first few weeks, you are doing something very wrong and something needs to be changed because that should be by far the easiest thing to fix. Um, so poop accents need to get better quickly. Um, and if they don't, we need to change things. Um, next, usually daytime wedding gets better, and last, bedwetting. Uh, of course, there's some patients that have no bedwetting and have accidents during the day, and that happens, but it is rare and often takes makes me take a moment and think about things a little bit more carefully to make sure we're not missing something else. Um, like I said, if you if you have all three phases of accidents, you, you break it up into three months in terms of the first month, you want to knock out the poop accidents. The second month, you probably want to knock out the daytime pee, and then the third month, you're starting to address the bedwetting, and um, and I'm not saying that you you can't focus on all three at once. I'm just saying that it takes time to move through um, uh, that process. Uh, and if you expect to be dry at night, the first month, if with in a child with poop accidents, you're going to be disappointed. And the other thing is, you know, we've done these X-rays to follow progress, uh, and um, and I'm glad people are doing these because it's a quick and easy way to check things out and to see for a problem. But they're not the be-all end-all. Um, we posted a case not too long ago of a child that had a, what looked like a normal X-ray, and then they got a CT scan for another problem in the emergency room. And when I looked at it, they had significant fecal impaction of the rectum. So X-rays are not infallible. And if I have a kid that has a normal appearing X-ray and bad accidents, and I know they don't have any other kind of medical conditions, you know, I honestly don't trust the x-ray, and I will either do a contrast enema or a anorectal manometry. Um, is it possible that you just can't get to where you need to with the bowel program? Like you've done MOP, you've done MOP Plus, perhaps you got the parasitine pump and you just cannot get this colon fixed? I think that is possible, and Dr. Levitt talks about that. In uh, his program, and I and I did want to at some point get on the website uh, Dr. Levitt's um, aggressive program for treating disimpaction. Um, I will summarize it right here just to get people the idea of how difficult this can be. In their publication recently, they when they have kids that are impacted, and their goal is to empty the rectum, they will do 
three mop plus enemas a day for three days. So that's three enemas a day, um, which I know go, violates our rule um, of one enema a day, but this is done under physician supervision. So three mop plus enemas a day, one with um, saline and glycerin, one with saline and Castile, and one with saline and fleet. Then they x-ray them, and if they're still full, they will do a two-day two uh, Miralax clean-out in the hospital with a, a nasogastric tube uh, pumping the Miralax into the child. Um, and if that's, they're not empty after that, they will take them to the operating room and manually disimpact them. And then they'll put them on elevating doses of X-lax to keep them empty. Um, so as you can imagine, that is not easy to do. And it's expensive, and it takes time and effort, and not everyone has access to Nationwide Children's Hospital. Um, and, if, and if you go to another hospital and ask for that, you may get uh, looked at funny. So what I'm saying is, is we need to try things, and we need to try to be aggressive with things and uh, check regularly and see where we are, uh, monitor progress clinically, like is the child getting drier, is the kid having less accents, less volume of accents, less urgency, less poop issues. And if we aren't getting better, um, we need to change things or check an x-ray or, or one of the other studies I mentioned. If you gave up on the bowel program, if you said, you know, my child is peeing on themselves, they, we've done everything we can with the bowels, um, there's two sets of medicines that can be used to treat that. Um, if you can only drink liquid medicines, it's a you know oxybutin and liquid, um, or an oxybutin patch or gel. The patch and gel can be expensive, although the patch is over the counter. If the child can swallow pills, then there's several versions of oxybutanin-like medicines called anticholinergics you can take. They are older medicines and have more side effects. And there's a group of second-generation anticholinergic medicines such as Vesicare, Sanctura, uh, Toviaz, that have less side effect profile, um, again, but they're in pill form, and they may be more expensive. And then there's a beta agonist, different whole type of medicine that does not have the side effects of anticholinergics, such as dry mouth, facial flushing, or constipation. And that is the Mirabegron or Merbetric, which uh, we see posted on our website quite often. Um, and you can take a combination of the anticholinergics and Merbetric, or I like to use Vesicare and Merbetric because uh, it's been published to be beneficial. If that does not work, and you've done everything you can with the bowels, then we um, do a urodynamic study. Um, to see how overactive the bladder is, what the issues are. You can add physical therapy if there's findings on the urodynamics that uh, mandate that. And that's when we do Botox. And again, I don't want to pitch Botox as a panacea because I've had people fail Botox. But everyone I see that does Botox gets at least some benefit. So I don't think Botox is failing them. I think I'm failing them in terms of I was too nervous to dose them enough. Um, because the dosing of Botox is not... We're too early in the research on Botox to know exactly how much to give. In a perfect world, I would take the kid's you know, size, age, weight, and bladder overactivity and have some kind of formula that tells me the exact number of units of Botox that would lead to cure, but we don't have that. So we usually start out at about 100 units, and if it doesn't help, you know, at 12 weeks you can add more. And um, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to uh, minimize... Um, the need for surgery or you know the cost of this is nowadays in the state of healthcare with the um, high deductible healthcare plans it, this may be impossible but what i'm saying is if you have a child that's peeing on themselves and it's causing significant uh, quality of life issues and and you want and you think no one can help you and you think you no know, one will this ever end if you do enough botox over enough time it will stop 
It may come back once the Botox wears off, but it will stop. So, so that that's that. So I, I, I that that was my goal. I wanted to, to to point out, you know, there's two things. That number one, our program is difficult and and it can drag on. But what are your other options? Um, two, don't do our program. Like forever without making changes if you're not seeing progress because that's not our goal. Our goal isn't to have you give enemas to kids forever. It's to get the rectum fixed. And you can do a lot of enemas and make zero progress. And that's just the nature of the beast. And uh, finally, um, my firm believer, enough Botox in a kid will – well, we know enough Botox will work because if you give too much, they can't pee, right, which is the opposite of, of peeing too much. So some – point between peeing on themselves and not being able to pee is a is a dose of Botox that will fix um, your child's incontinence for at least a, a few months. And then, of course, um, if you have a healthy kid, they won't be on Botox forever. They will just need to um, repeat it as it wears off until they outgrow this problem. So the Botox is a bridge to cure, but also uh, helps cure because um, if your bladder is not overactive, then you have a lot less... Uh, behaviors, uh, rushing to the bathroom, holding pee, and so forth, that lead to even more bladder activity. So I hope this helps. Um, I will be hopefully adding some more interviews in the next uh, week or so. And, um, of course, follow us on our website, and please uh, email me if you have questions. Thank you.